Uh, so, uh, hey, guys, uh, you can be seated. Uh, I want to introduce actually a dear friend of mine. But real quick, I want to even actually, as Pastor Leon was sharing about uh, how we, um, you know, how we handle our kids, just want to, every once in a while, I want to remind us, I don't, know, I don't know if I shared this in a while, but just for clarity, like, like it's, it's, not by, it's not by default, right? Like, we don't have kids a part of our service, actually, because we just don't have enough help. Let me make that clear. If we, if we had all the help we needed, we would still have this posture because we believe that there's something that God is doing, actually from a theological perspective, when the families of God are together and worshiping together. Okay? Now, I know in our flesh, I know the kids want to be with their peers and have a time to hang out, and I know that we want them to be quiet so we can hear the sermon, right? So I know there's all this sociological stuff going on, right? But, but we wanna, what we want to do is we want to reject our, our narcissism and we want to really trust God and ask God, what is he doing during those times when we have families together, right? And when it's not your family and the, the baby's in the front crying, like, what does it look like for us to be a community together? And there's something that's so redemptive and that cannot be recovered when families together are watching their moms and dad. And when my kids are able to see you as adults and see people in different times and spaces and different socioeconomic and colors worshiping Christ, okay? Not just singing, but also getting in the word and taking the word serious, right? It doesn't, I don't want it just to be my model in our home, right? But I, wanted, I want them to see other models. Because if it's just us, then we weird. You know what I'm saying? So we just want y'all to understand that. That this is, uh, there's a method behind all the madness that we do here. And we pray that it's always gospel-centered. Just want to give you that nice little old commercial for free. Um, now... Uh, family. I am honored. Um, this brother has been up here, I don't know how many times now, so I don't know why I keep introducing you, but I guess I'll do this again, just so if any new cats in here don't know what's up. Uh, Terry Robinson and his beautiful wife, Janice, are here, and uh, he, um, first, uh, well, let me just tell you why you should give this brother a hand, because we should honor those who deserve honor. Uh, this brother has been ministering in the city of Detroit. How long now, my friend? Y'all together? They don't even know now. That's how old they, you know what I'm saying? 1982. Y'all do the math. All right? So, uh, yeah, I deserve a clap. You know what I'm saying? All right? All right? What was that? 34 years, right? Look at that. Look at these scholars. Holla. There you, thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. Give us grace. So, um, now, so 34 years, and when we moved, when we moved here and started uh, Mac Ave as a local community, uh, we didn't have elders. All right, and so um, God gave us the grace to realize that we still probably needed some people who were going to come alongside of us, and so we had a board of advisors that we grabbed who, who cared for us as almost sub-surrogate elders until we were able to build up our elder pool. And uh, so it was a couple pastors uh, and my brother, who's actually a leader in another church, Terry Robinson, who also heads up uh, the ministry of uh, Here's Life Inner City, Campus Crusade for Christ uh, in Detroit. So he is an absolutely dear friend. I don't say he because these two together have been holding down in ministry for those 34 years, and they have been a blessing to my wife specifically and me and this local community. So uh, he's spoken many times because uh, he is a dear friend. Come on up here. He's going to uh, give us the word. We're going to open up in Exodus. So we're back in studying the scripture. He's going to be teaching. Then we'll continue. I'll be teaching next week. I will be in chapter 23. I gave his brother like 40 verses so I can get to where I wanted to go. You know, that's how we do when you're the lead pastor. You know what I'm saying? So, um, let me pray for you, man. Love you. Just want to let you and Janice know we just appreciate um, your care for our local body in this, in, this, in this community and been holding it down for Detroit, man, for over three decades. And just really appreciate that, brother. Can we give him some love before he brings the word? It's my man. So 
Hey, let's uh, pray that uh, God blesses us and that the word just deeply, that Jesus does what he wants to do uh, with his holy word. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would speak through um, Terry and that you would use him. Um, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, bring glory to Christ. Uh, we pray that we would experience and understand more about you and the character of God and our place in your world. So uh, give him your grace and allow us to experience your grace by being passionate, desiring to devour and eat your word, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I'll just, um, well, first of all, what's up, Mecav? Hey, it's good to be. Uh, I feel like this is kind of part of my extended family. Uh, been here with uh, Leon and with Eric and the rest of the, the Mac family, and it's just uh, good uh, to get away from the uh, venue that I normally am in and to come and be with you. And I really... I want to say it from the bottom of my heart. I really appreciate the simplicity and the purity of devotion to Christ that you show. Don't take that for granted. I mean, I just, you know, I love uh, uh, Sister Stevenson there worshiping barefooted. You know, hey, I, I need more of that. I need more of that, Okay. Sometimes, you know, we make church service so complex. We can make it so complex and so high that uh, it really misses uh, the thing about who we're here for, and that is to worship, to love God, and to adore him. And so thank you again, MacAv, uh, just for continuing to do what you're doing. God bless your heart. Um, I know want to, you know, appreciate that uh, what you said about my wife, Janice, uh, we know I refer to her as my African queen. Uh, I've been married 36, 36 years, um, just celebrated, and uh, she gets more beautiful and beautiful every day. Uh, amen, amen. I'll say amen. You don't have to say amen. I'll say amen on that one. Um, <laughs> but um, also, though, we have with us our, our daughter, uh, Jessica, who is the uh, third and last one there at home, and uh, something great happened this weekend. She got engaged, okay? And our future son-in-law is here as well, Israel, uh, who's actually uh, Eric and, and uh, Leon. He's from, uh, well, Toledo via Akron via... Uh, so he has that Ohio, you know, stink, instinct in him, okay, as well. But you ought to see, I mean, he did, I mean... I said, and trust me, I'm going to get to the sermon. I'm going to keep it brief, baby. Be brief. Okay, but look here. This is what this young man did. Uh, you familiar with campus marshes? Okay, on Friday evening, he had some of uh, Jessica's friends. He knew nothing about this. They was down there at Buffalo Wild Wings. Thought they just kind of a regular Friday outing. And then, but what she did know is that he had gotten together our family, his family, all of her friends. There's about maybe about 30 of us. And we were hiding down there in campus marshes. And so when her friends, they walked out of Buffalo Wild Wings down to campus marshes. You know, and there was a, a jazz reggae band that was playing. And as she was sitting down there, you know, in those nice chairs, it was a real nice Friday evening. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, here comes ears with two of his boys and they're singing some song. Okay, I don't know what it was, but it was a romantic song. <clears throat> and serenaded her right there. 
and then got down on his knees and asked her to marry him. Okay. So it was a great time. All right. <clears throat> so indeed, uh, so they're doing great. Pray for uh, his future in-laws as we're going to be accepting donations, cans, anything we can, okay, as we prepare for this wedding here. All right, so uh, we go ahead and uh, let's um, put up the first slide there. And, um, you know, when Eric gave me this, uh, well, I knew it was in the book of Exodus. I was here a few months ago. And we kind of went back and forth about dates. And I think, you know, God bless his heart, he penalized me (laughs) for not taking the date that he really wanted me to have. Um, And so he gives me this passage that no one really likes to do a lot of preaching from because it has some very controversial uh, issues in it that we're going to look at. Uh, briefly this morning, <clears throat> but uh, I entitled this, How Then Should We Live? God's Word on Crime and Punishment. How then should we live? <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, the next slide. When you see these images, uh, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Just shout out. Justice. Depravity. I'm sorry. Law, okay. Good. What was that, Eric? He's <laughs> not a real judge, okay, all right. <laughs> Well, she says she is. Okay, she says she spent some time there. But, yeah, um, what they all have in common in this passage that deals with personal injury. Personal injury. Judge Judy, all of her cases deal with some type of personal injury. What somebody has done has hurt somebody, and so they're in court. A crime scene where there's a yellow tape, always there's been somebody who has been injured, even lost their life. And certainly human trafficking definitely is a personal injury to a lot of girls. And so the, the question, though, that I asked myself without looking at this passage, which uh, is really right before then chapter 20, you know, we have the, the, the Ten Commandments or the Decalogue. And you know how they are divided. The first four deals with our relationship with God. The last six deals with our relationship with people. And Jesus admonished us that there are really, out of all of the commandments and laws you can find, whether Old or New Testament, you can sum it up in basically two commandments. You know, it was one is what? To love God with what? All your heart? There you go. And the second one, he says, is to what? Love your neighbor as yourself. You know, the reality is that the reason why there's so much personal injury, whether it's assault, battery, homicide, kidnapping, is because we do not know or have forgotten but not engage in loving our neighbor. 
Because if you love your neighbor the way you love yourself, then we wouldn't have all of the crime that exists in our communities today. <laughs> and so I think what this passage is going to tell us as believers, as Christ followers, how then do we live in light of that second great commandment to love our neighbor as ourself? And so that's where uh, we want to go uh, this morning. And so um, I want to look at uh, this passage about broken down into three uh, uh, major sections. And the first section there, um, Exodus chapter 21, beginning at verse 12. Uh, through <clears throat> through 17. And I don't know whether if y'all read together or I don't know how, how, how you do this, but uh, I'll just read it, okay? And uh, it simply says, whoever strikes a man so that he dies shall be put to death. But if he did not lie and wait for him, but God let him fall into his hand, then I will appoint for you a place to which he may flee. But if a man willfully attacks another to kill him by cunning, you shall take him from my altar that he may die. Whoever strikes his father or his mother shall be put to death. Whoever steals a man and sells him, and anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. Whoever curses his father or his mother shall be put to death. Wow. Let the church say amen. <laughs> okay. Now, understand something here. Context-wise, I know that this is part of the covenant that God establishes with Israel, okay? The Mosaic law. And so when they come into this agreement, God says, I'm going to be your God, and you're going to be my people. And that result of that, there are certain stipulations or commandments that you must follow in order to be my people, to receive my blessing. I love the way um, in, let's see, in Exodus, prior to this in chapter 19, and you got to excuse me, I brought my big Baptist Bible, and, you know, actually I put it on this stand, and it literally went all the way down to the ground almost. So, um, but, but in Exodus chapter 19, Hold on just a second. I said, yeah, it, uh, it gets better as time goes on. He says this. Exodus 19, verses 5 and 6, he says, Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession or my special treasure among all the people for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you should speak to the sons of Israel. In other words, God says, the reason why I'm giving you a, 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 a standard that is totally different from any other culture and nation of that day, you are to be, to me, a kingdom of priests. You're going to be my representatives here on this earth. That was the intention. And so if you're going to represent me, then you got to walk like I am. Represent my character. And so you got to keep that in mind as you're reading all these laws. But yes, it was just for Israel. In the New Testament, 
<coughs> we said, thank God we're not under the law. And so a lot of these civil and ceremonial laws don't carry over, but the moral laws do. And I think there are principles here that we can extrapolate that also, I believe, are binding even on us today when it comes to loving our neighbor. The first thing talk, talking about retribution, God says that there are certain things in terms of human relationships, injuries, that he called for capital punishment. Now, I know that's very controversial today. I'm not here trying to sway you one way or another, but tell you what. Here's what the word of God says and why God says it. But I have to tell you that homicide is a tremendous problem, not only here in our community, but really across the United States. 25,000 murders occur every year in the United States. That's about 70 every day. And you know here in Detroit in past has been called the murder capital of the world. You know, matter of fact, it happened so much that now it's almost like unless homicide is something that is bizarre or multiple cases or sometimes multiple slands, we tend to just brush it by because what we hear it on the news so much that we've become callous to it. And yet, the, and people say, well, you know, capital punishment doesn't deter crime. Well, I tell you this, a, a dead man can no longer kill anybody, okay? You think about that. But here's the reason why I think God is so, uh, has such a strict penalty concerning taking a life. Genesis, way back in Genesis chapter 9, when uh, Noah comes out of the ark and God is beginning to reestablish humanity after having to bring about this cataclysmic judgment on all the world, he says indeed to Noah and his family, Genesis chapter 9, beginning at verse 6, he says, whoever sheds man's blood by man his blood shall be shed, for, for in the image of God he made man. Now, this was before the covenant. I think this is something that was for general for all of humanity. God says the reason why he's so difficult, so tough about homicide and murder is because you and I are made in the image of God. And that there's something about the Imago Dei being made in the image of God that distinguishes us from all other part of God's creation. From animals, from plant life, you and I, even though it is a marred image because of the fall, still have what we call personhood. We have an eternal soul. We are able to engage in relationships to love. And God says each one of us all together, whether you black, white, red, brown, male, female, all of us together in some way communicates the image of the almighty God of personhood of who he is. And God says when you take somebody out, it's like it's an attack directly on him. 
And so God says, yes. Life for life. And so that's what they understood it there in the, in the Old Testament. And the idea is that that of, when I said murder, uh, he clarified, he's not talking about there is something called accidental or manslaughter. So in verse uh, 13 says, but if he did not line wait for him, in other words, if it wasn't premeditated, but God let him fall into his hand, then I will appoint for you a place to which he may flee. And then in Israel, later on, they would have something called the cities of refuge, six cities, where if there was some kind of accidental death where maybe your ox cart ran over somebody or, you know, a load fell off and accidentally killed somebody, they could run to this city and they were safe until, you know, investigation could be made and, and looked at more clearly as to, you know, if this was really an accident, but it was a safe place. But he's talking about here, the idea here, capital punishment is for premeditated, what we call first degree murder. And the reason, so as we as believers, we need to lift up the Imago Day that every man, every person, every boy, every girl is precious in God's sight. And so we honor life. We respect life. We do not take life. But now, something else, though, is kind of interesting. Over in the New Testament, Jesus takes this a step further. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 21 through 25, he says this, You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. Whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Whoever says to his brother, Rika, shall be in danger of the council. Whoever says, you fools, shall be in danger of hell fire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Jesus takes it a step further and says, well, you know, particularly in that audience to the Pharisees and Sadducees who would say, well, we know we got this one down. We've never killed anybody, never murdered anybody. Outwardly, but Jesus says, you ever been angry with somebody? Now, I know he never said, ooh, so-and-so makes me so mad, I could kill him. God says, you and I, but just as guilty as the guys on death row for murder. Mm -hmm. Anger. Hatred. He says, really, murder stems. First degree premeditated murder comes because somebody hated and they became so angry or they got angry and they hated them and they took somebody's life. And so, in essence, probably all of us have been guilty of breaking this first commandment. But thank God, he has not taken us out. But you know what? Particularly in this election season, Christ followers, MacAv, we got to be very careful. 
that we don't get caught up in all of this hate-mongering. That's what it is. It's just slinging hate back and forth, whether it be Democrats or Republicans, Republicans against Democrats. It's a lot of hate-mongering. Now, I believe that, yes, you should vote. No question, as good citizens. But don't get caught up in all of this hate-mongering. Because all we're doing is murdering our brothers. So even though we say statistically 25,000 people are killed every year, but it's probably a lot higher if you took of all the anger, okay, that is in our hearts against people today. And so it's, it's a check really upon us. God in loving our neighbor, he's called us to uh, respect life, to deal with the anger, because we all experience it. He says to be reconciled. That means before you get here on Sunday morning at MacAv to worship, and if you have all against somebody, you need to get that ready. You need to deal with that. Okay. I think enough of it has been said about that. Real quickly, two other things, though, that was interesting about uh, capital punishment or retribution was the assault on parents. Uh, yeah, the assault on parents and kidnapping. Now, here's where you ought to be definitely thankful that you're not under Mosaic law. Because for a lot of us, you know, growing up, we would have been stoned to death by the way we treated our parents. Why would God have such a harsh penalty? Because family is the basic structure that holds a society together. When the family begins to break down and disintegrate, society starts to go the same way. It is no secret as to why in the hood, why we're experiencing so many of these crimes. And you look at people's family backgrounds and their history. And so that's why God put it as a protective here. And so really, the sixth commandment says, honor your father and mother so that your days may be long on this earth. And so he put it in there in Israel's economy, in their life, to make sure, indeed, there would not be a breakdown. And it's not talking about just simply, uh, that pastor not saying that somebody who kills their parents. It says if you strike, literally, your fist or use a stone there. This idea with the, they might necessarily die, but you, uh, maybe you knocked them down, but you assaulted. God, I guess, says, that's almost, that's a direct attack upon him as well and his leadership. And then the last one there talks about kidnapping. We looked at that idea of, and that word there is the same word used in commandment eight, for thou shalt not steal. You're stealing. Now, here's the thing about Slavery. You know, I was talking, Eric, to one of, uh, well, I was reading one of the uh, very conservative uh, gospel theologians, and he was sharing about, you know, you know what, well, one of the, I guess, benefits for slavery is that, you know, it exposed the African to Christianity as well as to civilization. And so, even though, yes, it was wrong, but it had a lot of good benefits. At the core of slavery here in America, it was kidnapping. 
where you took men and women from their families and from their homes and put them in a totally different environment where it basically destroyed the fabric, indeed, of that society. God is very tough on that. He says, what? That's capital punishment. And so today, even though, quote, the slavery that we know of is gone, but human trafficking is still here. You know, there are thousands and thousands of young girls who are kidnapped, sold into slavery to sell their bodies. And as a church, as a people of God, we need to speak out and to say that that is wrong and that justice needs to be demanded because it is on a high platform, I think, still in the eyes of God. Stealing a person destroys a family. And so even though we don't carry out capital punishment, obviously as believers, it's left up to our courts. But to love our neighbor, though, we live that out by how we honor, we revere life. We teach our children how to honor their parents. And I think, too, we speak out against human trafficking. That's loving our neighbor. That's loving our neighbor as ourselves, that God has called us to. And it begins with each one of us, as I say, even with how we deal with anger and malice in our own hearts. And it's so easy sometimes. We can become angry over the littlest of things, it seems like, that tick us off. Even in marriages, okay, you know, that happens a lot. And so that's why it's important to keep short accounts with God, to make sure indeed that we confess we reconcile so that we're not continually being murderers ourselves, even though we're not behind bars. But Jesus said, I didn't say it, you're just as guilty. Number two, real quick. Um, he goes on and, oh, here's my glasses. Uh, the next slide. There's a cause for ransom, meaning compensation. When it comes to personal injury, when a, when a life is taken premeditated, uh, cunningly, God says there's uh, uh, life for life. But then what about when there's a life is not taken, but there's still injury? When men quarrel and one strikes the other with a stone or with his fist and the man does not die but takes to his bed, then if the man rises again and walks outdoors with his staff, he who struck him shall be clear. Only he shall pay for the loss of his time shall have them thoroughly healed. When a man strikes his slave, male or female, with a rod, and the slave dies under his hand, he shall be avenged. But if the slave survives a day or two, he is not to be avenged, for the slave is his money. Time-wise, let me just say this. This deals with the idea of compensation, that when, a, when there was an injury in the Old Testament under the economy of Israel, God says that a person should be compensated if he's been injured or assaulted, especially if it's only, say, uh, it says either a day or two. Matter of fact, go to the next slide. Yeah, we have, you know, when it's a, a non-permanent injury, meaning that if you was off for work for a couple of days, then whatever your wages were, they were to be compensated. Okay, but then that was what we call permanent injury. Go to that slide. 
It says, it gives the idea, when men strive together and hit a pregnant woman so that her children come out, but there is no harm, the one who hit her shall surely be fined as a woman's husband shall impose on him. He shall pay as the judges determine. But if there is harm, then you should pay life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. When a man strikes the eye of his slave, male or female, and destroys it, he shall let the slave go free because of his eye. If he knocks out the tooth of his slave, male or female, he shall let the slave go free because of his tooth. In the case of non-permanent injury, God instructed them, either there should be compensation. Where there is permanent injury, he called this the law of retaliation, which uh, when you read commentaries, they go back and forth about, does that literally mean if somebody knocked out my tooth, I have the right to get me a rock and knock out their tooth? I don't think so. I don't even see that even as you read the Old Testament. But what I think it does mean, there was financial compensation. Whatever the value of that, whatever that loss, then you had to also, you had to compensate or pay a ransom as opposed to literally losing a limb or an arm or being a burn or that kind of, that, 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 uh, that thing. There was a compensation. Now, as New Testament believers, though, Jesus, again, we don't have time, but also in the Beatitudes, he says this, when somebody injures us, we are not to seek revenge, not to retaliate, but to forgive. He says, if your enemy asks you for a coat, give him two. Ask you to go one mile, you go two miles with him. The idea is that we're living out forgiveness. Now, that may, and that's hard because I know if somebody do you wrong, I haven't always been saved. There's an old Terry Robinson in here that wants to get back. But God has called us, beloved, to forgive. That doesn't mean that now in situations where can I go to court? If, there's, if, if, the, if the judicial system and law allows that, well, you know, you have to pray and think about that for yourself. And what, you know, in some cases, yes, it may, it may well have to go to court. But, the, but what God has called us to do is to love our enemies. He says, well, to do good to what to those who what? Despitefully what? Misuse you. God says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. And so God has called us our compensation is by forgiveness. Now, the last one, because of time, I think it says um, resolution or restitution. And I'll, I'll just say this, um, that last slide. This is a tough one for me because it talks about animals and an ox. And I thought about the closest I've come to an ox in the hood is oxtails at the soul food restaurant. <laughs> okay, but uh, real quickly here. The idea is that in, in that culture, you were responsible for your property, for your animals. And if you allowed one to get out and it, uh, say in this case, maybe accidentally, you didn't know that guy now, and they killed somebody, then you had or injured somebody, you had to provide compensation. 
But it says, if you knew you had a crazy ox, he was constantly getting out, and you still didn't do anything about it, then it says, that's when the principle of life for life comes into play. So I thought about what's the application for us? Several. As believers, how we love our neighbor is we take care of our property. You got an old hoopty and you know the brakes are not good on it, you need to get it fixed because you're being negligent and that could kill somebody. You got a bulldog, got dogs, and so you love dogs, and there's and nothing wrong with that. But you know of case after case here in the city. I mean, a little boy was mauled to death because people did not take responsibility, and they were negligent. You own a house, you know those steps you say, no, they're rickety. They need to be replaced. That front porch is going to fall in. It's going to kill somebody. <laughs> it snows in the wintertime, and you don't get out there and do a good job of shoveling your sidewalk, putting down the salt so that what? Yeah. So there's a principle here. We can be, how do you love your neighbor? You take responsibility for your property, and you take care of it, then. So it doesn't harm anybody. Uh, that's how we love. Even in this, you know, we don't have ox. Like I say, all I know is oxtails. Now, you may have seen an ox. I don't know. But we eat those. Huh? But we do have property that we need to take care of and not be negligent about it. So in conclusion, I'm sorry. No, this is it's 24 verses, uh, Max. So I had to, you know, do the best I can. But uh, let's go to that last slide there. Conclusion, as we talk about, you know, how then should we live? God has called us to be peacemakers. And we do that how we reverence life, how we respect life. We don't, we respect life. We don't take life. We respect it. He's called us to be peacemakers. So even in the midst of, in our own neighborhoods, on our own block there, now, we cannot necessarily stop every, every uh, brutality or every assault or every robbery there, but we can treat people with dignity because they are created, they have the Imago Day in them. And so we honor that. <clears throat> and we bless them. We treat them like they are somebody because they are. But God has called us, he says, to love our neighbors as ourselves. And now I would never intentionally mutilate myself. And so likewise, indeed, this is why, indeed, so I, I, I love my neighbor, not seeking retaliation, but giving forgiveness. I'm going to take care of my property, things that God has entrusted to me. And also we call to do justly or to do justice in our affairs. And so there are times, yes. There's, there's a thing called righteous anger, righteous indignation when God is dishonored. And so, yes, there are things going on in our schools, in our communities that, yes, human trafficking, that we have to, yes, be willing to speak out and lend our name to. 
And so I know that's a lot. Well, where does it begin as I close here? This, the other day I was uh, shaving. And, oh, a few years ago, I think it was my sister-in-law brought me this great Norelco shaver. Because, you know, as, as uh, black men, uh, sometimes we have a difficulty where we struggle with bumps a lot. But this electric shaver has been so good. It, I mean, it gets all down in there, Leon, and gets all the little hair bumps and gives it, you know, kind of a very clean shave. So the other day, you know, I was shaving, and I thought about, well, I think it's time to give this a thorough cleaning, not just a, what they call a, a daily cleaning where you just open it up and kind of, you know, shake the hair out, but to actually remove the parts. I was removing the parts. I wasn't watching myself, and it fell on the floor, and all the parts went everywhere. You know, the cutters and, and the little, uh, it has three um, edges, what, little heads, three heads, yes. And so I thought, well, you know, using my, the, my, my kind of male ingenuity and testosterone kicked in, I said, I'm going to figure this out myself. I can put this back together. And so I started, you know, you know dealing with it and, and, you know, thinking where I think things go. And, okay, that looks good. So I clipped it back on, and I turned it on, and it went, err, err, err. You know, and so I took it apart, tried something else, and still wouldn't work. And so finally, my wife says, here's the instruction manual. Here's the instruction manual. And so as I read the instruction manual, it says, now be very careful when you're doing a thorough cleaning, because every cutter is associated with a specific head. And if you don't get those lined up correctly, it will not function properly. Oh, our society is trying to use their own human rationality to deal with crime and punishment in our neighborhoods. And all that, when they come with their best laws, their best programs, all they get is nothing really moves. But we have the hope of the gospel found in the word of God. And when we apply that, as I did, when I finally got those rings lined up, turned it back on, and went, okay. That's what happens when people are reconnected with God through Jesus Christ. They love God, and then they can love your neighbor. Macav, love your neighbor as yourself that God's called you to. Respect life. Honor it. How to, how to honor your parents. Not the secret retaliation, but forgiveness. And to take care of what God has entrusted to you and not be negligent. That is how we should live.